episode of Double Thought Dimension. I'm your host, Eric. Today we're joined by... Tony, his lovely wife. Hello. How's it going today out there in the world? The metaverse, the universe, the great vacuum of space, or maybe you're just sitting on your couch, or maybe you're driving, maybe you're walking, maybe you're running, maybe you're swimming. Oh, you're probably not swimming and listening to this. I don't know. I listen to it when I'm in the tub. I would be pretty impressed if you could listen to this while you're swimming. Fair. <laughs> for all the listeners out there do who they are make swimming. A, do they make aquatic uh, earbuds? I don't know. because you, you, There's phones you can get wet. So. They probably do at this point, but who knows. Either way, today we're going to be talking about the moon. Maybe you've heard of it. I don't know. I don't know if you have. Maybe you have. Have you heard of the moon? Uh, today we're talking about the moon. But more specifically, we're talking about did we go to the moon like in a rocket, according to NASA. Did the first moon landing actually happen? Not just the first moon landing, all moon landings all by moon humans. All moon landings, okay. Um, but before we get to that, I would like to thank a few people. So, number one, Chelsea, number one producer. Uh, she's a monthly um, donator, a, month, a sustainer. Then we've got Izzy, number two sustainer. Uh, since the beginning, since before all the fame, since before the VH1 behind the music. <laughs> um, number three, we'd like to thank uh, Adam, probably listens pretty regularly. Uh, I'm not sure who else in real life that we personally know listens on an active basis. Um, yeah, I don't know off the top of my head either. I, I, know I mean, other, I know some people who do listen, I just don't know if they listen like regularly. Like yeah, day. not on an active uh, week-by-week uh, role. Right. Um, the other people I'd like to thank is Booberry, Lavish, and Quirkus from uh, Behind the Schemes podcast. They are uh, cool, and we have been in contact here and there. And then I'd like to thank Sir Bimrose for giving some feedback on onto the podcast. That is awesome to have, be have a help, have a helping hand, being that we're complete and utter novices in the realm of audio production we have not worked as audio engineers ever in our lives um so to hear uh feedback is awesome because then we know what other people hear through a non-biased lens uh thank you again sir bimrose also like to thank Midas. um actually no before i thank anyone else this is the person i want to thank uh at the top this is the, the main person i wanted to thank uh turbo faggot I am thanking you personally. I should have done it before four minutes in, but you sent an email and I thank you for sending out emails. It, it lets us know people are listening to the show and that we're just not talking to nobody. That we're not just talking to ourselves. So thanks again, Turbo Faggot and kudos to your very unique screen name or whatever you call it. What do you User, call it? Username? Username? I don't fucking know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the... I, I can barely turn my computer on without having issues, so... It would be, like, if I you're no in idea. the army, it would be call, It would be a call sign. Uh, each person on the radio has a call sign. Uh, so if your call sign is Turbo Faggot, you are um, number one for this episode. Um, even though I didn't mention you first, 
I just uh, skipped over it because I'm a moron. Um, He's not wrong. <laughs> either way, thank you. Thanks again. Thank you very much. Uh, then I would like to thank Midas from the RC chat of uh, the Behind the Schemes, and then also Sir Seat Sitter. Um, and then whoever I've interacted with on the IRC chat during the live episodes of Behind the Schemes. Thanks to all. It's all, it's, it's a great time. Okay. Um, uh, that's out of the way. Now we're going to start talking about the moon. The uh, moon. The moon is a giant, huge rock in, out in space. Um, if you wait, uh, all day, you just wait and keep on waiting. Once the night comes, you will be able to see this object. Some call it the moon. Um, maybe you've heard of it. Can you guys hear our cat? She's in heat, and she's really annoying. I don't know if you guys can hear her or not, but I'm getting real sick of it. Shut up! Thank you. There we go. Take that, cat. Yeah, we're talking about the moon. It's a gigantic orb in the sky. It's a place. That it we... glows light. It's a place that we've been. the night. According to NASA and uh, just history, we went to the moon in 1969. We went there with the rocket, landed on the moon. Neil Armstrong got out, walked around, so did Buzz Aldrin, planted a flag, came back to Earth, and we just were champions, you know. Uh, we were like heroes to the world. We've, we've landed on the moon, uh, one small step for man, and a giant leap for mankind. Or is that just what they want you to believe? Did we never go to the moon? Has Have humans never, ever uh, crossed through the Van Allen radiation belts? Is it even possible for a human to cross into space that far? Uh, the International Space Station and anyone who orbits the Earth is well below the line of the Van Allen radiation belts where people can for sure go because it's not dangerous radiation wise but once you get to a certain point up in space you are going to go meet these wild things called the van allen radiation belts have you ever heard of any of this no no i've heard of the moon yes the whatever belt no you've, ne- belt? you've never heard of the van allen the, no. the uh, van allen belts no okay um I would like for everyone, for Tony, to just give a synopsis of what her knowledge of NASA's Apollo missions are. Okay, go. I don't know. Uh, I know one or more of the Apollo rockets blew up before they even, like, took off, really. And then one of them, I don't know which one, uh, supposedly made it to the moon, landed on it, came back safely. Do you know roughly... Can you name an astronaut? You just said some. Besides the one I said. Uh. Or can you rename the ones I just said? Something Aldridge. Um, <laughs> uh, whatever the first guy, the Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. Who who made the famous quote? Neil Armstrong? I don't know. Yeah, okay, you got it. You got okay, it. good guess. Good <laughs> guess, Tony. Give myself a little pat on the back. Wasn't there a lady one? There was a lady... Not for that trip, but wasn't there a lady uh, that um, went into during space? During Challenger, there was a there was a female astronaut in Challenger, which that was the one that exploded. Okay, that's okay. That's the only one that I was like, kind of thinking. Well, that of. was one of the ones that exploded. That was way later. That was like in nineteen ninety 
1989 or something like that. Okay, well. But um, do you know roughly the time frame of, of the lunar missions? When? When, they, when did they... Fuck no, I have no fucking clue. What, what time of history did we go to the moon? You Original. just said 1969 is when we went. Okay. So... If you wouldn't have said that, I would have had no fucking clue. Okay, so I would have, I would have guessed the seventies probably. You would have guessed the seventies. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have zero knowledge of this stuff. Do you know? It's been replaced by mom crap that, you know, doesn't matter. Do you know what NASA stands for? Nasty ass, slutty assholes. <laughs> no, I don't know. I see. Okay. All right. Nautical, <laughs> nautical airplanes. Serving astronauts. Yeah, I really don't know, so I ended up looking it up. NASA stands for National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Okay, now we know. Now we know what NASA is all about. We know what their what their abbreviation Says at least stands for. NASA was started October first, nineteen fifty eight. So that's that's what I know. All right, that's a pretty long time ago. Um, so if you're listening, you might be in Tony's belt, and I. To be honest, I'm not very far ahead of that knowledge base. The only knowledge I have about NASA or the moon or anything like that, uh, astronauts, is from school and is from just random knowledge since I've been in school, which is not very much because I've never been interested in space. I, n- I don't care about space. It just doesn't interest me. And I've, I've never got into the, the um, flat earth theory. Like, I, I don't. I never researched it. It just doesn't interest interest me that much because ultimately it just doesn't matter that much, really. I mean, flat Earth, round Earth, space, no space. Either way, I ain't going nowhere. I'm. I I don't have any rockets, and I don't have a ship. I just don't see the point. Like you know, it's almost like I don't know. You and I have talked about this before. Like, but like, why go help all these other countries when we can't even help our own fucking people? But now we're gonna go. Like, why go to space? What's the point? What are we doing there? Like, I guess cool for research, maybe, but like, why spend the money when obviously there's needs here <laughs> that require money, you know? Yeah, I can think of like uh, 10,000 other things we could do in, in the U.S. and use the money of our taxes on other than getting in a big rocket and shooting it into the atmosphere. <laughs> right, and... For I, again, like I really just don't understand for what purpose. You know, I mean, I guess it's cool to know, but we have so much stuff here to research yet. Like, why? Yeah, I want to know what's up with these dimensions. Uh, you know, right? I, I'll put some research into some dimensions before I put re- money into blasting off into into or space. Or let's let's cure all disease first. Let's do that first, and then or let's then audit the we'll Fed. Let's let's yeah, audit yeah, let's um, do the many, FDA. Let's do anything. Yeah, let's let's do many other things first. You know that are more important and require our attention versus something frivolous. You know, which that that actually could be uh, one of the big reasons of, of NASA and space is it's like pointless to think about. It's, it's a good distraction you know it's just another good distraction to think about uh you know add that add war space uh famine uh, mm-hmm. climate change all these things it's like all these things are fucking pointless to think about really mm-hmm. ultimately because we're all living in our houses um just giving our money over to these people for the, yeah so they can spend it on, so they can on just shit like this do whatever they want with it you know right. it's like uh 
it's a waste. And it's just another big bunch of bullshit waste of money. Right. Uh, anyway, um, so I'm not a definitive researcher on the moon. I'm not a, I've never, I haven't put, um, hours and hours of time into learning about, about space. I've done nothing. Uh, the only thing, the only reason I got interested in this topic was I heard the guy that made this documentary called American Moon, Massimo Mazuko. He made a documentary that is all about just the hard, hard evidence of the moon, the Apollo missions. So there were, there were six missions, um, that went to the moon with, with manned craft, but there were, you know, Apollo 11 through whatever number had manned people with the, with the aim to go to the moon and do the same type of shit that the three astronauts did originally. And this documentary. What do you mean originally? What, what do you mean? Just, uh, had to do a pause there. We, every Wednesday, or it seems to be more frequent lately, but they do Black Hawk helicopter training directly above our house. Um, so it's really great for someone who's into conspiracy research and also was in the Iraq war. It's the best, uh, option. Anyone who is a conspiracy theorist and also in the Iraq war, I recommend living really close to places where they do Black Hawk helicopter training <laughs> on a weekly basis. It's um, fun and keeps us up at night and shakes our whole house. Shakes our whole house and they do it for about three to six hours every Wednesday for sure. But well, they, it used to be Tuesday nights and they do it at like 10 o'clock, which makes no sense. Which, because they're not even supposed to be out there past like nine or something like that. Because there's noise ordinance bullshit that nobody follows and height distance that they're supposed to fly away from our houses, above our houses, which they don't follow either. So No. Lots of fun stuff, guys. Oh, yeah, so the American moon, I have no knowledge about the moon or the landings of Apollo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know shit. I, I know very little about it. Only what I learned in school, which I didn't learn much. So I heard this guy, Massimo Mazuko, um, give an interview on, I don't know if it was on Tinfoil Hat or if it was on another conspiracy type of podcast. But when I heard him on there, I was like, wow. I never thought about a lot of these concepts with the, um, the, the official pictures from the moon, the official broadcast from the moon to earth live during the moon landings. I just never put much thought into it because I just didn't care. And I wasn't born at that time. I, was, I didn't, wasn't born until 1987. So <laughs> long as time had passed, uh, by the time I was even alive. And that, when I was a kid, Space exploration wasn't really that popular. Do you remember space being popular at all when you were a kid? No. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't remember ever seeing anything on TV, hearing my parents talk about, like, nothing. I didn't realize really what space was, obviously, until we started, like, learning about it in school and shit, because so I, I don't remember seeing anything or hearing anything about that. You never wanted to be an astronaut? No. I wanted to be, I don't even know what, a woodland... A homemaker? A woodland fairy or something. A woodland fairy. Something that was outside and barefoot all day long and played with dogs. That's what I wanted. That's... Uh, that was a, my life. A homeless veteran. <laughs> uh, sure, yeah. Sounds good to me. <laughs> anyway, so we have no uh, expertise in the, fil- in the um, realm of moon, the moon landing, but... Recently, I watched and Tony watched a little bit of the documentary called American Moon, 
And after watching that documentary, I learned quite a bit that uh, way more stuff than I knew before. And it poses very, very good questions about. Yeah, some of the stuff was really intriguing. Like some of the stuff that we saw was pretty interesting. You know, like the flag moving in and out of the screen or whatever. Like yeah, I'm gonna was... go through all. I'm gonna go through everything that I wrote down. Okay. So this podcast is basically about our viewing of the documentary American Moon, and. All credit goes to Massimo Mazzucco. So I, this is one thing I believe everyone should do. I watched the documentary on YouTube. Uh, it took me quite a while to find the fucking thing. And I ended up having to go to the website of Massimo Mazzucco to find even how to watch the thing. Um, but I bought the DVD and then I went to go watch it. So. I think it's important to give money to the people who put a lot of effort into things. It, obviously, it's easier just to watch the documentary without paying. It's free. You know, it's, he wants the information out there. But it's, you know, it, it's nice to be rewarded if you put a lot of effort into something. I mean, this documentary is three hours and 34 minutes long. And it has a shitload of historical footage, uh, facts, statistics. It was, it's excellently done documentary that really, it, it's not sensationalized at all either. This documentary is not like with scary music or crazy fear tactics or anything like that. It's, it's just, he's just asking questions about the official story of the Apollo missions and he's, and he's giving evidence from, mostly from NASA itself. And then uh, a, a, quite a few independent professional photographers and people who are um, at the top of their field in photography. Who and, and he didn't just pick someone who is like a photography teacher or something. The people he picked are like the main photographer, like world renowned, world renowned photographer. And not only that, one thing that I liked about it, I mean, I watched very little of it because that's kind of the point of the podcast is that you know. I, I get to ask questions because I don't understand all of it or I don't know it as, as well as Derek does. But, um, yeah, one thing I liked about it was that there were parts in it that were like, well, we can't use this as evidence because we know it's not solid. So he would go through the information, but he'd be like, but we're not counting this as any sort of evidence either way because X, Y, and Z, whatever, because whoever said that, you know, like this could be this or this. So we're not even including that you know, as, as evidence in our theory or whatever. Yeah, one uh, one thing I did he, like that. he pointed out multiple times in the documentary that these are common misconceptions about the moon landings, and people use those misconceptions to say that we didn't land on the moon. And mm -hmm. he, he disproves those because they're not true. Right. Um, one of those being, why are there no uh, pictures of stars in, in the photos of the astronauts on the moon? You can't, the sky is just black. Mm -hmm. And he explains it as they used a camera, an old fashioned camera that they had in the sixties that requires you to pick the exposure and pick the shutter speed, which they were, they, they had the shutter speed and the aperture and everything listed on the cameras that they used from NASA. And the one that they used to take the photos 
would never capture the stars in the background because they they would have had to pick a different um, selection. They they weren't trying to get the the stars in the background. Well, not only that, you got to think too. Like it's not they're not using like this high definition camera that we have today that no could pick up every little detail either. Like they'd have to specifically, yeah, like you said, like set certain yeah. settings to capture something like that. And and the astronauts were not professional photographers; they were astronauts. It's like here's a camera, take a picture. It's not... Yeah, here, it's set to these settings, don't fucking change it, or whatever, you know, and whatever. Yeah. Just take the fucking picture. So, the in the documentary, he definitely refutes a lot of the commonly held conspiracy theories about the moon landings, uh, which I found to be quite uh, credible and good, because lots of documentaries kind of just omit facts, or they use a lot of fiery language and and fear to push their points across but this documentary did not do that at all so let's just get into what the hell the documentary actually said uh the first thing i wrote down was the van allen belts how did the astronauts get through the van allen belts and they answered this by giving the own their own explanation of the van allen belts and and the explanation from van allen himself who who discovered the Van Allen belts. That's why they're called that. Okay. This doctor or physicist or, you know, some sort of scientist discovered by by testing, he shot a rocket up into space and then it went in a, like, elliptical orbit around the Earth, kind of, and then came back and he put a Geiger counter on it to test the radiation because they're testing all these things because they have not sent a human into, into the moon before. So they need to know if humans can go to the moon. They can't just send a human to their death instantly. Right. They they need to at least do some experiments to find out, can a human survive space? So this guy, Van Allen, sent a rocket, a test rocket with unmanned, you know, it's like a, a, a just a regular rocket with a Geiger counter on it to test the amounts of radiation and whether or not it'd be safe. And during those tests, he discovered that there were these big magnetic concentric belts around the Earth that are magnetized and heavily um, radiation that that is what helps keep our atmosphere together and keep all the um, shit out of our, our out of Earth, you know, because once you get into open space, it's just pure cosmic dust. And cosmic particles that if they, if we had no protection, our planet would look like the moon with just craters everywhere because our atmosphere stops all the things from coming in to our world. Um, so they discovered that when they sent this rocket up that these belts are, the amounts of radiation were so high that the Geiger counter stopped working because it wouldn't, it, it would go all the way to the max and then go back down to zero. Then go all the way to the max because it, it was just failing because they couldn't measure the how high the the amounts of radiation were. Okay. So they knew this prior to 1969. Van Allen and the space program they knew in about 1967 that these radiation belts were most likely not going to be possible to get out yes. of and still live. They're too high for humans to to survive. So that's one thing. 
Um, that's the first thing I, I wrote down about the, um, the evidence as to why we can't get to the moon. Uh, the Van Allen radiation belts. The people who are, are supposedly the debunkers of the we didn't go to the moon, they say that they can get through the Van Allen belts by going through a specific route where it's just somehow it's safe in this one specific route. But that just doesn't really... That seems fishy because radiation doesn't just stop. Right. You know? Right. And how are you going to perfectly make your way through not only there, but you got to get back from the moon back to Earth. So you have to do it two times. You know, maybe one time you might be able to navigate properly and not die, (laughs) possibly. But just that whole theory is not really, doesn't really hold up in reality. The next thing I wrote down is, why can't we look at the footprints from Apollo 11? So in 2008, I think, or 2000, in the later years, there was a contest to send a unmanned vehicle uh, to the moon and uh, like like a little lunar rover. Yeah. Um, it was put on by Google, I think. To like, here's our contest where we, if you win, the prize is like four million dollars and prestige. Mm-hmm. So all these uh, companies and individuals entered this contest to, because they wanted to prove that they could build. You know, it's like a co- competition. Yeah. That they could build a lunar rover, send it to space. Um, the the competition was they had to drive on the surface of the moon, and and basically the same thing that they did back in 1969. Drive on the surface of the moon, send pictures back while they're on the moon, the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. Well, during this um, competition, NASA re- re- uh, reached out to the organization and said that they institute are going to institute a no-fly zone of where the Apollo missions landed. They didn't want anyone going within 2,000 feet or 2,000 meters or something like that of the original landings uh, on the moon okay but that kind of makes sense to me because if that's like technically a historical landmark or whatever i wouldn't want someone fucking with it either yeah i could see that just to play fair here you know i could could understand that like i you know if that's literally history i wouldn't want someone going and being like oh look at that i'm gonna run it over you know or whatever right right which i think they kind of did that in their in their argument as to why they didn't want people to do it right but on the other side it's like why not send a lunar rover back again to the same exact spot i mean you don't have to run over the footprints or or hit the flag or anything mm-hmm. but why can't you at least get within 100 yards of it and film it from the moon and send it back to earth like that would that'd be cool. Yeah, that would, I would be watch cool. That I, that I would think TV. that. Yeah, I would think that would be interesting too. Like just to see it. Yeah, and be like, like oh, there well, it is. Yeah, like well, look, there's the flag. You know. All right, because I assume if this person won this contest and is doing all this stuff with high tech equipment like this, somebody's monitoring them. You know what I mean? Or is like assisting them and how to run all the shit or whatever. Yeah, they're they're highly so, technical scientists. Right. So like, why not have someone be yeah. there and just be like, okay, this is as far as you're allowed to go. Yeah, it's not like they're just right. fucking willy nilly. We're gonna fly to the moon and just uh, and see just what let happens. you do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. No, they're these are highly technical scientists type people who are doing these experiments and and they want to win. 
but NASA uh, said they could not do it, and the and the organization agreed. And I think they ended up like not even doing it anymore after that. Like they they called it off. I could be wrong on that, but either way, it, it like was, you think they called, so no one got to do it. I after think so. That? I like, think so. The they whole... got to do it that one time, though. No, no. Oh, so they didn't even allow that. Yeah, to do yeah. It? I think the whole the whole competition just got scrubbed. I think. Oh. I'm okay. pretty sure. Yeah, that's. I'd have to look into that. You'll have to look that into that yourself if you're that's interested kind in of that. But the competition was put on by Google. And NASA um, told them they can't go. They instituted a no-fly zone over over the initial Apollo landing sites. Hmm. Eh, I don't know. Weird. Another interesting thought thing I found in the documentary is one of the astronauts. Uh, they interviewed him, Alan Bean. Um, and honestly, I can't remember where what portion what um, Apollo mission he was on. But they asked him if he recalled. They just asked him straight out, like, how was it going through the Van Allen belts? You know, were you scared or, or whatever? And, and he could not recall if he went through the Van Allen belts and he didn't even know, like, about them, just like generally, as far as how far they are outside the earth and, and whatnot. Like, he was like, oh, I'm not sure if we even went to the, the, went through the Van Allen belts. So I don't know if we went that far. And then the question, the guy interviewing him was like, well, the Van Allen belts start at about a thousand miles outside of our atmosphere and they go for about 25,000 miles. So you had to go through the Van Allen belts to get to the moon. And is it, is the Van Allen belts all the way around, like the whole mm-hmm. planet, like in yeah. every, every direction mm-hmm. basically? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. It's concentric, concentric circles outside of our atmosphere. For for a thousand miles up to twenty five thousand miles of this radiation belt, basically. Okay, so and, that would be like a significant chunk of their journey. Yeah, it would it would be for sure. Um, if it was like a harrowing thing, you you would you would think you would remember it as something that happened, or like be able to describe like, oh yeah, we went through the Van Allen belt. It was a hell of a time. We were scared out of our minds. We did all this yeah, research. Like that was the part that we were dreading the most because that was whether we made it or didn't make it right. or whatever. But he was like, oh, I don't even know mm. if, we, if we even went to the Van Allen belts. And and the guy interviewing him, interviewing him is kind of like somewhat shocked. Mm. Like, what do, what do you mean? You're an astronaut and you don't know that much about the Van Allen belts? How is that possible? Right. Honestly, that would be like an electrician not being able to describe... Um, like never hearing of a transformer, mm-hmm. like oh, uh, there's this thing it transforms the voltage from 120 up to 480, or and vice versa. Have you heard of it? Uh, no, I never. Uh, no, I never really heard of that. <laughs> That's not possible. Uh, right. Um, if you're an astronaut who has been in the space program and flew to the moon and back, you straight up need to. You would have had to have known that. That's just like a thing that it would have been a part of your training, you would think. Like a hefty portion. Well, yeah, you think you'd have to have knowledge of what you're getting yourself into and what to do in the event that yeah, it like was going poorly whilst going through there. Like we've received too much radiation, now we've got to put up this shield or we've got to do something. Like there's got to be some sort of like procedure right. to follow. Or if it gets too rocky out there, like we're going to have to turn around yeah, or we're going to have to anything. abort mission or something. you know, anything. But he was like, I don't know. I can't recall if we even went to the Van Allen belts. And then that made me think, I'm like, well, this this is kind of similar to 
like I know that I went to Iraq. Yeah. I remember I remember going there. Yeah. But not only do I remember going there, I recall many details about being there in the country and I can verify this independently mm-hmm. that these places exist mm-hmm. with with maps and relevant photos. Like I can easily go on the internet and look at like, oh, I was in this spot in Iraq. I remember that because my memory, I've got photos, I've got all this evidence proving it. But Alan Bean doesn't know if he went through the Van Allen belts. Right. How well, is that possible? So, Unless you were asleep the whole time. Well, that's so that was kind of bringing me to a question that I had is, so from takeoff to the moon and landing, supposedly, how long did that take them? Um, I don't know. I don't know if they really talked about the length of time. It's a pretty, it's not super long though. It's not like forever. It's not like 20 days or anything. I think it only takes like two days or three days, something like that. It's not like a shitload amount. Okay. Time. But still, you'd think that that, if it's basically 24,000, 25,000 miles or 26,000 miles or whatever, that that would be a significant chunk. So you would spend a good deal of your time in there. Yeah. You know, regardless of how many days, I guess it would be, but that would be a significant chunk of your journey. Right. So if you looked out, you'd see something. Yeah, it just, it just seems, and obviously radiation can't be seen, or maybe some can, but you would still be a little bit nervous if you're the first, first human to go through that area. To go through the Van Allen Belt. And my thought process would be like, because that area exists, and you have to go through it supposedly to get to the moon, they would have to have some sort of protocol or procedure involved in the event that, you know, something bad was happening. Right. To try to save yourself. Which which you know? they had a whole bunch of uh, protocols. So there should have been a specific something specifically for that area yeah, is like my point. The... In which case you'd be like, oh yeah, we had to have protocols in place just in case, but nothing happened or... Um, yeah, this, you know, something. So that would mean to me that either this man's got Alzheimer's or... Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Oh, okay. <laughs> like old timers. No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Out of the two of us, I'm the one that knows how to say that. I, I know. I'm like, I'm like, what? Did you really say Alzheimer's? No, Alzheimer's. Good Lord. But yeah, so, you know, there, there just should be no forgetting or unknowns there. You'd think that that would be like a specific part of their training because, like you said, they're the first people to ever go through this area where it could literally kill them. Yeah. So they'd have to have something prepped, I would assume. Yeah. You know, in which case that would be a very significant part of your memory, I guess, is is that's the link I'm trying to make. Yeah. And, and I just could link, link it back to my time in Iraq going there mm-hmm. because that's fucking far from here. most people haven't been there Mm -hmm. in the u.s you know i'm a part of a small number of people who've been there and back Mm -hmm. and i can prove it and i've got lots of memories and evidence right and you can recall and i can recall and and if someone asked me in an interview what was it like flying into iraq i remember it right like oh i was scared i you know i've got all these memories he had he was like oh i don't even know if we went through the van helen belts it just didn't make much sense right Especially when you have to go through it. You have to, to get through it to get to the moon. Yeah, to achieve this mission or whatever. Right. Uh, the next thing I found interesting was the TV signal. So this is July 1969. Very long ago. Way before anything 
like we have now. They had basic, um, everything was basic at that time. They could, they can beam a, a signal and catch it with a satellite and, and, uh, so forth uh, on the earth and back and back and forth and places like that. But so how does the live feed never get interrupted during the live transmission from the moon to the earth? So not even that, but why was it pretty good picture too? You know what I mean? Because it's okay. I used to think about this actually like when I was younger, not, not, not a kid, but whatever. But I remember like saying something like that, like, Okay, so they can transmit fucking video from the moon, but my goddamn fucking antenna, fucking it's too windy and I can't see shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I remember like making dumbass comments like that. Yeah, you it's know? one of the oldest things. Like you're telling me we can get a live feed from the moon, but we can't um, talk on the phone in the rain. Right, or, or we can't listen to, or my or my bunny ears aren't pointing due west right now, so I can't get a good signal, and it's just fuzz. You yeah, know? I I remember like saying dumb shit like that, you know, when I was younger or whatever. But so in the documentary, they they describe what it would have taken to shoot the feed back to the Earth mm-hmm. on the lunar rover. They had a camera was attached to it. Right. And on the lunar rover, there was also an antenna. And on that antenna was a little aperture, like a sight, like a, like a gun, gun sight, basically. Yeah. And they, in order for them to shoot the beam properly, they had to look through the beam, look through the sight and get the earth in the center of, of this aperture. Mm-hmm. And if, if they didn't do that, there, there's no way they would be able to. But what were they aiming at? At Earth? Just Earth. They they showed a picture of what it, the aperture looks like, and it looked like it just looked like a circle with um, crosshairs on it, kind of. Yeah. And in the middle of those crosshairs, you had to get Earth, and then there were like uh, lines that showed if you were getting out of focus. So this Yeah, but that doesn't okay, that to me doesn't make sense. That'd be like God, I don't even know. That'd be like me I don't know, zoomed really close in for whatever on a deer, but I have no like recollection of where I'm going to specifically hit it or something. Right. I don't even know how to make it a good analogy with that one, but that doesn't make sense. If there's nothing they're specifically aiming at at Earth to capture what we're sending them, and it's just Earth. That makes no sense to me. Right. So the live feed, uh, there, there are times in all the Apollo missions, especially on the lunar rover, where they're they're driving the damn lunar rover, or they're or they're just sitting there, mm-hmm. and, and the the camera is like moving because the everything is so light that they just touch the lunar rover and the camera goes up and down. Right. If this is a live feed, anytime this camera goes up and down, or the it should be. It in should, out, it, the, you should lose transmission. Right. Because you're now no longer hitting the fucking satellite. This is not, you're not like shooting this beam from across the street. You're going, uh, 240,000 miles away with a laser, with a beam. And, <laughs> and I just thought of this too. And they're trying to send this transmission through the Van Allen belt to Earth. Right. So through radiation and rock and all this bullshit. But they have a crystal clear view of Earth. Right. 
It's, it's interesting. It's uh, this doesn't doesn't make sense how you could possibly. And they never they never lost transmission on the live feed when they're doing mm. which it makes sense if you're doing it in a studio on Earth. For sure, they'll be able to do that. Right. If you're on the moon, know how to do that. If you're on the moon, sending back the live feed, how are you going to make it? You can't even do a podcast with a person across the country without losing the feed, at least once. And we have we're sixty years past that point, or however many years, fifty years. How how were they able to keep the live feed going on the moon? It just doesn't make, it doesn't add up as far as I, as far as I'm concerned. No, that doesn't make any sense. That whole thing right there is enough to already make me a non-believer right there. Uh, here's another thing I found in- interesting. How is there an appearance of mud on the Lunar Rover's tires in a moistureless environment? And how does the Lunar Rover, um, when it's driving, kick up clouds of dust if there's no atmosphere and no moisture if mm. there's no atmosphere no moisture how when you're driving and the wheel spins everything that comes out of the back of the wheel should just fly in a straight line down and go back down because right, there's no gravity it's dust, right it's just all it's dust. the dirt from the moon right but it's dust not like wetness so no there's just, no water it it's, should just be like <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Like you wouldn't be able to create dust on the moon because there's no water, there's no atmosphere, and mm-hmm. it's just so it'd just be rock then. Well, it, it, there could be still sand, it's still dirt, but there's no nothing to make it turn into dust because there's no atmosphere. So when you would turn the tire, the dirt would just if it did go up, like if you skid it out of it, it would just go up and down. Right, there'd Just be no by the fo- you know the obviously you saw force making the the dirt go, but it wouldn't be able to turn into there's like no atmosphere cloud. to jump grab it in air right, so and no, turn like into dust a cloud. clouds right right so it'd just be like oh uh, up down yeah it would be um when you know those little I don't remember what they're called but I vaguely remember having like some weird toy where it was like a bunch of gears and there was shit like that in there mm-hmm. but yeah it would just like drizzle right back down like there's no moving about because there's nothing in there's no air there's no nothing it's just it's just like yeah and there's no atmosphere so right. how it's you can see the clouds of dust from from the lunar rover when it's driving around yeah that how is that possible that doesn't make sense if there's no air and there's no moisture right and how on the photos of the lunar rover i mean how is all the dust sticking to everything like how right there's no atmosphere. There's nothing. It's a. It's it has. There's no oxygen. There's no anything. But for some reason, everything is either covered in dust or not, or it looks like mud. It's like, how is that possible? Right. It 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 makes sense if it's Earth because we have an atmosphere on Earth right. and water and yeah. Moisture. It should literally just come right back down then. Because if it get like stuck in the tires, you know, because tires are gridded or whatever and whatnot. So if it picks up the dirt, it should just literally like fall straight back down, like like a weight would, like just yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Another thing I found interesting was still wires. There are at a few times in the film and the photographs. Uh, no, mostly in the film, uh, flashes of light are seen well above the astronaut's head, seemingly reflecting a steel wire 
because that's how they do it in the movies and on stage. They attach a steel, steel wire and, because you can't see it with the naked eye or the, with the camera. Mm-hmm. You can only see it if it gets caught by the light somehow and there's a, there's a quick flash. It's like, oh shit, what, what was that? Right. that um, you can see it in old movies a lot, but there's a few times in, in the film that shows that maybe there were some, they were using still wires to simulate the, the lack of gravity. And there are a few instances where, uh, the astronauts fell down or were like moving around and through no force of their body, it looks like they're being manipulated <laughs> without them doing it. Like there's one time where one of the astronauts is on the ground and it like he just suddenly goes back up and like gets to a standing position or, or So like they rewound something or, or just what? with the like, like they like they just got the wire and pulled it up. Oh like okay, I see what you're saying. Like they're attached to wires the whole time because they would have to be to simulate gravity if they're if they're not on the moon. They need to simulate the fact that they're the the moon has a one sixth of our gravity. So that's the whole, the whole thing with moon shoes, you know, you yeah. can, you can jump really high on the moon because the gravity is way less. Right. So to simulate that, the theory is that they, maybe they use still wires because that's what they do in Hollywood. That's a t- common ta- a technique. Mm-hmm. So they, there's a few instances where there's some a flat flashes of possible still wires well above the heads of the, See, I didn't see that part, so I can't like yeah. attest to that because I didn't see that part of the documentary. But yeah, it's uh, just another. See, here's the one thing about these the, these things that are conspiracies. Why is there so many things that don't add up? Right. When things are true and not tricks, they they're just there. There's not any anomalies of things. It's right. just what happened. Right. It's not like we can pick 500 things and find an issue with it. Why is that possible? Mm-hmm. Unless there's some sort of uh, trick being played or, or it's a lie in right. some way. Next thing is the flag waving. Multiple times the, the flag appears to be waving without the astronauts touching it. Not just waving, but it like spins on the... Um, pole too, like not just the flag itself waving, like you know, with air, but there are several times where it comes in and out of the oh, yeah. the feed or whatever. Yep. So you can tell that it's being spun on or that pole. Maybe not spun, but it's it, it could be blowing with wind. You know. Yeah, I know, but there are times where it doesn't look like it's waving. It looks like it's literally being spun into the frame and then out, like not just. You know what a flag looks like when it's waving? It's kind of, you know, it literally looks like a wave on the water. You know, right. kind of like that. Where the end almost stays kind of straight. To me, it almost looks like they have, like, not a cardboard flag, but, like, starched a flag so it's stiff. And then it's spinning in and out of the frame on the pole. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like a piece of fabric, the flag, that has been starched. So it's all wrinkled and whatever. but is solid and then spins in and out of the frame. That's what I kept thinking when I was watching that part of it. Yeah, and and they give the explanation what uh, the people who debunk the the idea that that we faked the moon landing. They say that either the astronaut 
accidentally bumped it with their elbow, or they say that the electrostaticness of walking by possibly caused the flag. I know, but in, I mean, there was a good chunk of footage where there was nobody near that flag. They were, most of them were already on the, the, whatever, the. Yeah, it was like 30 minutes of of time. Right. And then the one was climbing back up into there and they're how far away. Right. Like that didn't make any sense to me. Right. So that, so that's why they, that's why in this American moon, they say that, it, how does a flag wave with no air? Right. It's just, it won't, it's not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, next thing. So the next stuff I'm going to talk about is the photos. The photos are one of the biggest parts of this documentary because they, they bring in the, these super ex, expertise people, uh, photographers to, and they don't like tell them like, hey, I'm, uh, tell me what, uh, uh, this, this is a fake photo. Tell me why. Mm-hmm. This is like, can you, what's up with this photo? Is there anything weird about it or what do you think about it? Mm-hmm. And they just go over the photos and then, then after a while they're like, huh, how is this possible? Like the photographers, because that's all they do is take photos. They know the tricks to make photos look good. That's their job. Right. And it's not just their job, but they're the the ones they had on there are some of the the top photographers in the world. Right. So here's one of the parts about the photos. Why is there no radiation damage on the photos from the Apollo missions? Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that part because they're like even just going through an X-ray at the airport, like greatly diminishes the photo. Yeah. So on their way back with that film or even there or yeah or even there whilst being taken on that on the moon it should have been dissolved basically or into nothing or just totally um just uh like like almost exposing a a a film to the to the atmosphere it just cancels it out you can't see it right yeah because they showed what happens after just one x-ray of it and it like like three quarters of the picture is gone. Like the color is mostly yeah, it's gone. All just totally... Like you can still tell what it is, but most of the color is gone. Um, a lot of the f- fine features are lost. Um, and then I think what was it? There was like after like three or four, there's nothing but white. It's yeah. just like white. Yeah. And uh, so professional photographers take great lengths when they're traveling to make sure that that doesn't happen. that doesn't happen to their. They put, put it, yeah. They the one guy said he has to put it in a lead case. Yeah, they can't just put them through the scanner because it'll ruin them. Mm-hmm. So how did the photographs make it back to Earth through the Van Allen belts, where the radiation is seemingly way higher than fucking uh, uh, X-ray? Here's one that I found quite interesting and that I never thought of. How did the cameras work in the extreme temperatures and the shadows of the moon? So. Um, yeah, where's the light? Like on the moon. It comes from the sun, just like the earth. Okay. So But on the moon there's no atmosphere. So on the surface of the moon, if there if it's it's being ex- exposed to the sun, because okay. there's no clouds. There's nothing to block the sun. So when the sun hits the moon, um it can get up to 200 degrees in, in heat because So how are they on the moon then? I don't know, the the suits are somehow protecting them. From 200 degrees? I guess. Hmm. Um, let's not even think about that. Let's just think about just the camera. 
how did the camera work in 200 degrees in the sun and in the in the shade so even if you go in the shade for five minutes or less the second you go into the shade on the moon there's nothing to uh, stop the cold because there's no atmosphere i know but so this is this is too much for my brain to handle um so you have the moon, okay? Uh-huh. When the sun's on it, it's gonna be blazing hot. Like should yeah, incinerate there's everything. To, there's no trees. But when there's, there's to stop the right, sun. but then when the sun is gone, or if you're on the other side, there should be theoretically no light. No, yeah, there's no light. So that's my other point: is how did they even get just the right amount of light to get these pictures to begin with? Because it should either be scorching bright as fuck or Black. Jet blackness. So how... Okay. Yeah, yeah. so that, that I'm going to talk about that in a second. Let's not even t- focus on that yet. I'm trying not to. My brain is exploding. So these professional photographers say that they have had their film ruined in way less temperatures than that. Mm-hmm. Like one guy was talking about a, a, a time in Russia they were doing a shoot and it was like negative 15, mm-hmm. which that is, that's not even as cold as it gets here. Right. And his camera, his film and his camera froze and it was ruined how do you what what did they do to the cameras to make a, a, a film survive negative 200 degrees negative 200 degrees how is that possible <laughs> i don't know and, and you can't hide from so like on earth you can go in the shade it's much cooler but we have an atmosphere that helps us carry the heat around and, and right. um, but on the moon, there's no atmosphere and there's no trees. There's nothing. Right. There's no anything. So when you go into the shade, you, I mean, you could be, see the sun right over there, the sunny part be in the shade and it's negative a hundred mm-hmm. in the shade over here, mm-hmm. 240 over there, right. 50 feet away. How, how the fuck is that possible? How, how do you make a camera work in negative 200 degrees? You don't. I don't know. And then how do you get the photos of that camera that somehow worked in negative 200 degrees back to Earth through the Van Allen radiation belt? My brain is and, blowing And have perfect pictures. The pictures are not, were not degraded at all. They were regular. They came out great, honestly. Mm-hmm. And the photos, you can go to NASA and just look at the photos that they've got. From all the Apollo missions. They're excellent photos. You can't tell us. They, they look great. How is that possible? I don't know. I don't know seems either. Im- seems impossible to me. This episode is hurting my head. <laughs> Next thing. Artificial light. Why are there noticeable hot spots on the photos as if illum- illuminated by an artificial light? So, when they went to the moon, I, I didn't look this up, but I'm just going to say I, I'm guessing right, right now. I don't think they brought professional photography equipment. They didn't bring lights. They didn't bring uh, reflectors. They didn't bring uh, flash flash bulbs. They didn't bring shit. They just brought the cameras, and that's it. And took took. I the don't video. know about that. If I was making a trip to the moon and it was going to be this big spectacle, it was going to be on TV. You know, I wanted this was history in the making. I would definitely plan to pack for that shit. Right, but there's no, I, 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 I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm, there's no evidence that they did that. They never talked about that. And uh, lots of times you can see 
you know, there's only two people there. Yeah. <laughs> two or three people, and they're, you know, one of them's holding the camera, uh, the other one's being photographed, and then the other guy is in the lunar module just sitting there, uh, waiting to leave or, or doing something else. How, who's holding the reflectors? Who's holding the lights? Well, they're setting up a whole scene to do reflection photography. Again, I guess, you know, like I said, <laughs> if it were me, yeah, I would bring all that shit with, like a stand and a, I would bring all that shit with to set up. But like you said, too, then you'd think that they would have to almost send a professional photographer with them to know how to do all that shit. Or they, they'd have to be trained on all that. Right. And be, I'm guessing most astronauts are going to be like, that ain't my fucking job. You know, like, right. I, I don't know how to do this. And then to get good quality pictures from someone who's not trained or who's very minimally trained is unlikely as well. So, yeah. Right. So I, I just pulled up the pictures because I wanted to see them for myself. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, they're fucking flawless. Like they They're look, awesome, right? They look, I mean, and if I were just to take an educated guess here, I would assume they did send a prof- professional photographer with to get these pictures. I mean, yeah. They have, like, this one of this astronaut where it's kind of up close, a picture of him. It's kind of at an angle. But in his helmet, all you can see is the other astronaut that's, like, walking away or whatever. But it's, like, perfect crystal clear. Yeah. You know, everything. So how did they take that, if they were even in a little bit of shade, negative 100, and with no uh, fucking flash or anything? Right. I mean, they're relying on only the sun. The only source of light is the sun. No, the only, there would be another source of light. I'm sure their whatever, their rover, their ship, their whatever had lights on it. You know, so I could see that being part of the light, I guess. But again, it would be very, like, narrow. You know, it wouldn't be this whole, like, big illuminated area. Right. So, in the documentary, they talk about... It looks like they have great lighting. They talk about the noticeable hot spots on the photos as if illuminated by artificial light. So, these hot spots are... When you take a light... When you take a picture with the use of a light to be your... What's causing the illumination and not the sun. Mm -hmm. There... You can tell um, based on... You know, it's really bright in the center where the subject is being photographed. And then there's gradiently less moving out from that spot because the the beam of light is narrow, pointed at the object being um, photographed. Right. If it's if you're using the sun or natural lighting, um, it doesn't look like that because the sun is millions of miles away. Um, so all the light is the same on the Earth. If you're if it's unimpeded by cloud. Yeah. But if you're shining a light at a spot, um, it's much closer to the object. It produces a, the, a noticeable hot spot. See, the thing for me, in the, photograph. the thing for me with the pictures is, is like you said, if the sun was lighting it up, one, it would be unbearably hot. Um, and there's no trees, so there would be no shade. Or whatever on this side where they were, but that's the only way that they would get light theoretically. Mm-hmm. But in these pictures, it's completely back black background, so therefore I would assume it, they're in the shade where it's cold. But it's like perfectly illuminated where they are, like right. the whole area to see to even see like 
going off in the distance for a long ways, kind of, you know, like weird little, I don't know, weird little mountain crater things or whatever. Like, that just doesn't compute in my brain. Right. If they're on the shady side, you should be able to see nothing except for the small area that they are illuminating. But that's not the way it is. Yeah, they look like great photos. And then, right. And then if it was on the sun side, I would assume they just couldn't be there. It'd be like all washed out. Right. It would just be blazing bright white light. I mean, have you ever tried to take a picture in the sun with the sun out? Uh, that's visible, like... It, well, right, like, if they're on the sun gets... side, and you take a... If, say, if, just go outside, right, you know, tomorrow, or whatever, because we're doing this at night, so go outside tomorrow, fucking take out your camera, look at the sun, and fucking take a picture of it. You're just gonna get this blasting white nothingness, you know? So if they were on the sun side, it'd be extremely hot, and it would be... None of the sky would be black. It would be just white, yeah. crazy-ass light. But here, it's black skies, but you can see... As if, yeah, that doesn't make sense. It's all lit up, but it's black skies, but you can see way off in the distance. You can see all, that doesn't make sense. Right. Unless, yeah, that unless there's like a room around with just a black background hanging like in up. in studio. Yeah, exactly. Like a black background hanging up to be able to see it. Right. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so, I mean, did they use lights on the, fo- on the moon to take the photos? Um... I don't know. I mean, there's no, no, they never talk about bringing any lights to the moon to, t- to take, to take great photos. That's not a thing that they ever mentioned but for, by NASA. Um, next thing, how did, how did the sun produce diverging shadows as if lit from a spot, spotlight? So if you take a picture of something, all the shadows are going to go the same direction. Because mm-hmm. the sun is really far away. Right. And all the shadows all go the same way. <gasps> Found a picture that shows the shadows too. The flag shadows going that way. The astronaut shadows going to the right. So, okay, flags shadow to the left. Astronaut shadows to the right. And then there's something in the background where the shadow is going like as if I was looking straight at it. Yeah. So it would be going like north, mm-hmm. basically. So north. East and West all have shadows in this picture. Which, it's not possible if they're using the sun only as the light source. Because right. the the sun doesn't move and it comes from millions of miles away. So all the light is the same if you're in the sun right. portion. Mm-hmm. Everything, so everything that is, is being photographed, all the shadows will go the same direction. Because um, that's this life if you're using that's, the sun yeah, that's logic man right there but if you're using a um spotlight from or multiple lights or multiple lights at a close distance because obviously you can't go 100 miles away and use a light you need to be within 30 feet you know how i don't know how many feet to to produce the light for a photo um if you're taking professional photographs and it when you use a false light the image the shadows can be not going all the same direction because depending on where the light is in the room uh, so how do some of the uh, photographs have shadows that are don't match up um yeah this one specifically it doesn't make much sense i want to see if i can get a save that and post it because yeah that doesn't make sense like how the fuck does that picture exist 
There's this. Look, look, babe. Shadow, shadow, shadow. You see that? Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any they sense. They don't show that one in the documentary. Oh. But they, they use quite a few other ones. Um, well, I'm just, I just looked up, you know. Yeah, yeah. If you're using the sun to take photos, all the shadows will go the same direction because the sun doesn't move while you're taking a photo. <laughs> How long does it take a photo? A tenth of a second? Sure. Uh, the sun is not going to move that to another spot right. during your photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all the shadows should be going the same way. <laughs> um, and if they're not, why? How is that possible? If you're on the moon, it's not, it's not possible, basically. Next thing, backlight fi- photography. So if you're taking a picture of someone and the sun is behind the object you're taking a picture of, like say the person is blocking the sun and you're taking a picture of them, they use reflective panels to bounce the light off of the sun onto that person so that you can see the person. Because if, if you're in, taking a backlit photo, everything that is um, blocking the sun is super shadowy because mm-hmm. there's no light on it. They're blocking the sun. Yeah. So when you're taking a professional photograph and you're outside... They use reflective, like whenever they take photos of people on the beach, and they're being backlit by the sun, or it's a, or it's da, a dusk. Yeah, or then, then the person themselves are black. Yeah, basically. like if you just took a picture of them with no flash, no, you know, without using a flash and without using reflectors, mm-hmm. their whole face is going to be black because you can't see shit. Yeah, because the, the sun is the not. The sun is behind the them. The sun's behind them. Yeah. So, how is it that in a lot of the pictures of the the lunar module the landing module there the you can see the sun behind the lunar module and in the photo is lit up very good yeah that doesn't make sense um how is that possible unless you're using a reflectors giant reflectors off to the side out of frame you know because if the sun's over there you're out of frame bouncing the sun at your object you that was what you would have to do if you're taking a professional photo right but if you're on the moon and you're not doing that you're just taking a picture on the moon you don't you have no none of this you wouldn't be doing that the picture would turn out like shit just be all black and you'd be able to see all the stuff that's illuminated but your object you're taking a picture of is just going to be dark yeah unless you use a reflective panel right well, that they or even, a flash. They even do that when they do actual. Remember when I got those pictures done for my birthday, my sarcoma pictures or whatever. Yeah. They even did that because they had a giant spotlight like on me, but it was like a weird angle. So they had the other helper girl shine take, it. Yeah, they had a helper and, girl and they like, would have shine. to move it. Like, oh, that, that's good. That's good. Right. Okay, stop. Because they wanted that. to more illuminate like my face and stuff, so they had to do it like a, at a different angle. Right. And so they had to have her stand there with that weird thing remember right so yeah you'd have to have something doing that so that you're also lit too right so how how is it possible that they took a bunch of backlit photos of lots of things and they're coming up pretty good looking right yeah, with only nice. the use of the sun uh, i don't know it doesn't make much sense okay uh this is pretty much the last part that i wanted to go over this documentary is three hours long, so 
I would recommend that you watch it. It's great. It's a great documentary. Yeah, it was. Good it's going to be what in I the show see. notes. Uh, the next thing I'm going to talk about, which uh, this is the part I found the most interesting. We got three astronauts that went to the moon originally. The first ones, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and um, the other guy. Is it Alan Shepard? Alan. Yeah, it was Alan something or something Alan. Yeah, I, I'm totally blanking on the other guy, but they mostly talk about the first two. So these astronauts are heroes on Earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're the first people to ever leave Earth, go to another celestial body, and come back. Mm-hmm. After they got back from the moon, they had to be quarantined for like eight days or something mm-hmm. because of pressurized, pressurization and whatnot. So... They get back, they land in the ocean, they get picked up, and the president meets them to go see them, and and they're trapped in their capsule, like, in isolation. Mm -hmm. Then, eight days later, or whenever, however long, they have a huge press conference with these three astronauts. It's just the three astronauts on the stage, uh, sitting on a desk, Mm -hmm. and then you've got reporters, obviously, and just a whole shitload of people, and they're asking questions of these astronauts. Um, what do you, what would you say the mood would be like of the astronauts at this press conference? I would say they'd be pretty excited, you know, like we did it. Like it was a success. It was amazing. Like it's unlike anything you've ever seen before. Like just astonishment and excitement. I would think that not only did you live, but you lived to tell this amazing story. Right. So you would expect, you would expect the astronauts to seem... Happy, happy, excited, um, excited. Maybe uh, jumping maybe, up and down. Maybe, t- maybe tired. But other than that, like, yeah, I'd think that they'd be like, we just did something that no one else has ever done, and it was amazing. Or you know, like the trip was hard, but you know, we just made history. You know, essentially. So yeah. So that's not the case. I want. I recommend everyone go watch the interview. Of the astronauts, the very first interview that they they gave uh, in front of the huge crowd with all the questions, because they do not look like people who are happy to be there, and they are they look despondent, and they they look like they're not wanting to say what they're saying, and that they're possibly just saying memorized lines, possibly, mm-hmm. and they look totally dejected. Why why do they look so dejected? They just accomplished the greatest thing ever to have happened. Yeah, I haven't seen that, so I don't, you know, I would like to see what they look like, too. But, um, like, the only thing, in fairness, that I could say is, you know, maybe they, because obviously this has never happened before, supposedly. So maybe they're sick, you know, maybe eight days wasn't a long enough time. Maybe they're fucking exhausted or whatever. So I could see that, but I would assume at least one of them... Would be happy. Would be happy or, or whatever. And then just be like, yeah, my, you know, it was hard and we didn't feel good after. They would explain that or something, you know, like, because, yeah, you would expect them to be ecstatic, you know, um, of yeah, what they accomplished. There's times in the interview where it's like noticeably awkward with huge dead silences. The one time they ask him, like, um, what, what do you think of, uh, this says about, the future of mankind, uh, like you set a great precedent. What do you think will happen from now or something? And 
None of them respond. They just are like sitting there like speechless, saying nothing. And then they give like a weird answer. And it's like, okay, next question. It's like, it's very awkward. Yeah. Like you would have thought that this was going to be a very happy interview. Right. Like, (laughs) I don't know. My answer to something like that would be like, now that we know that we've achieved this and it's physically possible, anything's possible. You know what I mean? Like, if we can do this, we can do anything, basically. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I would think someone would respond to, something like that, I guess. Yeah. Um, why did all three of those astronauts get out of the NASA program one year or less after the missions? They weren't that old. So they, and the NASA... Did they early retire? I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. But they had the opportunity. I mean, I'm sure that if they wanted to, they could have kept doing moon missions they they were they were the best they they were the first ones to ever go and they they could have spent the probably the rest of their lives in the apollo program Mm -hmm. making multiple missions or being a part of nasa in some capacity like do mission control they could have done anything if they wanted well maybe they were just actors that's a possibility i don't know it's just it's kind of weird all three astronauts neil armstrong buzz aldrin and the other guy, all just quit NASA after that. They quit? Uh, they, like, all resigned. Um, like, they, they, that's what they said. They resigned NASA. Mm, so they resigned, eh? I know that if I was an actual astronaut and I'd worked really hard for my career and then I did something like this and I was ashamed of it, I would resign. Not only did they resign, um, Neil Armstrong basically went into not hiding but i mean he went to the country like didn't give interviews for like 20 years mm-hmm. um buzz aldrin became a alcoholic addicted to drugs and crazy um the other guy like hardly ever gave any interviews at all why did neil armstrong refuse to participate in the final completion of the apollo program so after all the Apollo missions were were done, like whatever year that was, they had a big thing. Like, um, okay, we we've accomplished so much. We're not doing. We're done with these missions. Obviously, he's invited. He's the first fucking guy to step on the moon. Mm-hmm. He says, "No, I'm not going." He he doesn't go. Right, like you think that <laughs> you think as like okay, if I'm an astronaut and I just did this, this would be. Like the epitome of the best thing, my my life achievement. Like that's what I worked for my right. whole life. Right. And you'd think if you succeeded in it, you would love that. You'd love a whatever that is, a banquet in your honor, basically, or a, a whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was for celebrate. all the astronauts yeah. that had been in it. You know, yeah, to celebrate this huge achievement. Yeah, you no, know, I'm but sure. for all of them to be like, yep, no, I'm sorry. I don't no. want to be in this anymore. Uh, I don't want to go to this to shit. Participate in in the ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, this I found quite interesting Uh, I never seen this documentary I think it's called uh, Astronauts Gone Wild this guy basically goes to each of the astronauts who were in the Apollo missions and his whole premise of his documentary is he's just going to go to every single one with a bible and just straight up ask them swear that on this bible Put your hand on this Bible and swear that you went to the moon. And 
every single one refused to swear on the Bible. <laughs> um, Neil Armstrong refused, and not only did he refuse, but the guy offered him $5,000. He was holding the $5,000 in his hand and said, I'll also give you this $5,000 that you can donate to any charity you want. All you have to do is put your hand on this Bible and swear to God that you went to the moon. And he didn't do it. He didn't want to do it. And he said, get away from me. Same thing with Buzz Aldrin. Um, when the guy confronted Buzz Aldrin, he got so pissed that he punched punched him in the face. Oh. Buzz Aldrin did. Um, and the other guy refused to, all three of them, the, the first three initial ones. And I'm pretty sure all, all the ones Well, interviewed... to be fair, that is, you know, kind of a... It's an attack. You're being attacked right. by, with the camera crew. It's, it's, it's fucked up. There, there's no doubt that it's a, it's a rude. Yeah, it's definitely invasive and, you know... It's, it's rude. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a dick move. But, yeah. I mean, I get it. But at the same time... That is fucking rude. You know? Right. But then I start to think back to this, this thing again. Um, someone comes up to me. I become famous. I don't know what. Um, they start to say that maybe the Iraq war never happened. That was all a lie. And Iraq doesn't exist. And the whole thing was faked mm-hmm. in, a, in a studio. And someone of documentary and documentarian comes up to me. I'm 80 years old. I'm 75 years old. Mm-hmm. And they're like, swear on a Bible that you went to Iraq. You'd do more than that. You'd be like, I swear I went there. Here's some fucking pictures. Right, Here's right. this. I, Here's... I'd be like, okay, well, who the fuck are you first? Like, right. this is kind of fucked up. But then I would be a little bit intrigued. Like, okay, why? Why would I? Well, because otherwise, <laughs> you know, you, you'd probably feel like you were crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yes, I went there. Like, yeah, I went to the moon. What the fuck? You, you know, I went to Iraq. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, duh. I mean, exactly. Like, yeah, I'll swear on a Bible. I, I swear to God I, that I went to Iraq. Right. Why couldn't the doc, the astronauts? Yeah, not one of them. Not one. Why, why couldn't they? Right. I know if this happens to me, I'm not swearing on a Bible ever. Mm-hmm. And, but if I have to, if I'm forced to swear on a Bible, I am telling the truth. Right. I'm not going to tell a lie while swearing on the Bible. Right. Yeah. That's either a, that's either put your hand on the Bible and say, yeah, I went because you did. Or put your hand on the Bible and say, no, I didn't go. There you go. You have my Or answer. just admit like, no, I didn't go to the moon. Yep. Exactly. Um, and I'm not swearing on the Bible. Right. <laughs> because that was blasphemy, whatever. It's blasphemy. Blasphemy. Yeah. Um, well, the, there was part in the documentary, too, that I found interesting. Something about, like, JFK giving a speech about going to the moon or whatever, and then they realized they couldn't do it, but they they had to follow through with it anyway or something like that because they'd already said that they could. Yeah, or some, um, that was at like the that. very beginning of the documentary. They talked about they JFK. JFK was skeptical of going to the moon, but the, the main guy from NASA, the leader of NASA, kind of like convinced um, JFK, like, let's go to the moon. And they that's kind of how it got started, the program, mm-hmm. the Apollo program. Uh, so they spent all those years um, preparing to go to the moon. Uh, but uh, in the documentary, they claim that by the year 1967, they had so much uh, information and everything was going wrong. They've already spent billions and billions at this point that they knew that the, it was going to fail. Like that all the things they were finding out was were showing them that, oh, shit, I don't think we're going to be able to go to the moon. 
Well, at least not in the time frame that they set. No, because they said we got to get there by 1969. Yeah. Well, they said 1970. Yeah, by the end of this decade. Yeah, they said, which doesn't make sense to me. Like, why put a time cap on it at all? Like, any time that if they could make it work would have been awesome. So, like, why put a a time cap on there? Like, you have to do it by then. Uh, Obviously, there was literally no reason for us to go. So Right, and the whole reason so why, that they gave was that we were in a space race with Russia to be the first ones to get to the moon. Right, but Russia even said, no, we didn't give a shit. Like, right, and they stopped, they stopped trying. trying, at least, and they stopped trying at the capacity that the U.S. was. was right, and they know? were like, if you want to get there first, that's fine. You know? Yeah, but uh, but that's privately. Uh, publicly, it was, it was, at least in the American media, we were at odds yeah, with but Russia. It was, but again, you know, America's always got a stupid hidden agenda, and they made their own urgency, basically. Right. There there really wasn't any race or competition. Yeah. Um, so, um, after watching the documentary, I don't know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what my stance is. All I know is I feel very similar to the way I felt after... Um, researching 9-11. There's like 200 anomalies with 9-11. There's like 200 anomalies with the JFK assassination. There's like 200 anomalies with Apollo 11, a space moon landing. Things that are true maybe have five anomalies or zero. Five would be the max amount of anomalies that exist in, in true statements and true things that happen. When things are false, there's lots of anomalies because they're not true. Right. So obviously there's anomalies because See, I, you have to fake it. I don't think we went. Basically, my whole stance is literally like the video stuff. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. Because um, I obviously was born in the 80s and grew up in the 90s. Like I remember having the shittiest TV ever. And if they can't make a fucking TV signal work from planet Earth to another area on planet Earth. I don't know how the fuck they'd get crystal clear bullshit from from the, the moon. moon two hundred and forty thousand miles away. Not just that, but through that radiation belt thing, like through rock and floating shit in space, it makes no sense. Yeah, never losing the live transmission. Yeah, that makes no sense whatsoever. And then on top of that, the 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 sun stuff. Obviously, you guys were with me while I experienced that, and my brain was blowing up as I was hearing yeah, I, it. It I makes ne- no sense to I me I never either. thought... Uh, this is one thing I, I straight up did not even ever think about. Like, oh yeah, it's hotter than shit on the moon, or colder than shit. I never even thought of that. Yeah, and it's going to be one or the <laughs> other based on what side you're standing on. Yeah. You know, at the time. But like, how did they do anything on the moon? So, right. so basically, the spacesuit can withstand... 200 degrees and, and keep someone alive inside. Uh, I mean, that's what they're saying, if that's what happened. Apparently, I guess. I mean, I don't know shit about the spacesuits, but that that's crazy. That's also crazy to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, 200 degrees is hotter than hell. And it start, it'll start to burn. Uh, you know, when does shit, shit start catching fire? I don't know. But maybe it's much higher than that. But it seems like a stretch, uh, to say the least. Right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I just... I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah. That's me. 
So yeah, uh, everyone go watch the documentary called American Moon by Massimo Masuko. Uh, I will leave all the information in the show notes uh, where you can find this documentary and how you can buy it. I recommend that you buy the DVD just to support the guy because it's, you know, it's just the right thing to do. Value for value. I got a lot of value out of it and it was definitely worth $30. Well, and that's for the, sure. you know, I didn't, like I said, I didn't watch all of it with him, but what I did watch with him was very good and very intriguing. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. So did we go to the moon? I would say, uh, I'm guessing no, probably not. Uh, chalk it up to another thing you thought you knew your whole life that is turned out to be false. <laughs> well, and on top of that, American Horror Story did, uh, you know, this season they went and talked about that, uh, proving it was fake too. So because I totally believe that they're telling us the truth in TV now. Uh, not in the news, but in TV shows and movies and shit. So, there you go. Just another little validation for you. Yeah, so that pretty much wraps us up today for the episode. But you can find us on DoubleThoughtDimension.com. You can email us at... You can email us just like Turbo Faggot did and Izzy did. Um... Feel free to email us at dtdimension at protonmail.com. You can find our podcast on Apple, Spotify, all these places. Well, at least you can for now until they remove them. You know, that's how life is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the best thing about Value for Value is we have no sponsors. We have no one controlling us. We have nothing. So we can say whatever the fuck we want. Like, we can, fuck. We can say fuck, 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 anything we fuck. want. and But we do rely on you uh, because you're producing this episode just like I am by listening and giving feedback. What 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 is it worth to you? Um, if it's worth nothing, that's great. If it's worth something, also great. Uh, just the fact that you're listening is pretty great in itself. So thank you for listening, and again, find us at DoubleThoughtDimension.com, DTDimension at ProtonMail.com, DT underscore Miracle Monday on Instagram, and always remember, if you can hear this transmission, you are the resistance.